great Odin's raven. This is crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. This is, uh, this is ridiculous. Okay, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. With, I'll go. Hello and welcome to the FilmPulse.net podcast, episode number 22. My name is Adam and today I'm joined by Kevin. How are you, Kevin? I am well. Doing well. Glad that Spain won, huh? Mm-hmm. I wasn't really rooting for either one, but uh, I was glad to see at least one team completely dominate. I felt bad for Italy, actually. I didn't. <laughs> I cannot stand you, Mario Balotelli. Ooh. Uh, first up today, we have a special exclusive interview with screenwriter T.S. Nolan, who's currently working on a script for a movie called Agent 13, which is the upcoming Charlize Theron sci-fi flick directed by Rupert Wyatt, who you may know from a little film called Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Huh? No. And then we'll be going over some of what we've been watching this week, followed by some of our Amazon Blu-ray deals. And then we'll be talking about our thoughts on Ted and Magic Mike, the movies that came out this weekend. And finally, I think we'll wrap things up with this week's predictions for opening films. How does that sound? It sounds all right. Okay. So let's go ahead and kick things off. Uh, We interviewed screenwriter T.S. Nolan. He was a really, really interesting, fun guy, really nice. And we just kind of asked him about what his background is and all kinds of fun stuff. And he gave us a little bit more information on Agent 13, which is, I believe, Universal is developing it right now. And Charlize Theron is set to star, and she's also producing. And Rupert Wyatt is going to be directing, as I said before. And it's all going to be happening. I believe they're going to start shooting after the next Rise of the Planet of the Apes is done Mm. and Charlize Theron is also in the new Mad Max film called Fury Road which is shooting right now so after the two of them wrap that then they're going to be working on Agent 13 so wait there's a new Mad Max movie yeah yeah there is (sighs) I mean it might be cool I don't know maybe I like those kind of steampunk post-apocalyptic type movies yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. So let's go ahead and listen to this interview. This is uh, when I had a chance to talk to T.S. Nolan. T.S. Nolan, thank you so much for joining us. I know you have a lot going on right now, and I'll grill you on all that stuff in just a minute. But I understand that since you have a lot of projects in the works, there may be some things you can't discuss with us. So I'll tread as lightly as possible and feel, feel free not to answer anything that may be too sensitive for you. Sure, let's see how we do. Why don't you start us off by telling the listeners uh, who you are and maybe how you got your start in screenwriting. Yeah, uh, I got my start right where you are, actually, in uh, Tallahassee. I went to the film school at Florida State University and Mm -hmm. uh, graduated in 2003. And that was really the first time that I had been put in an environment of like-minded people, you know, who became kind Mm -hmm. of that support system when I moved out to L.A. in uh, 2004. And a lot of them are still my good friends. And I was a writer back then, but I wasn't making I wasn't making what I would consider a really systematic effort until uh two thousand eight, which is uh kind of moving through my mid twenties and uh you know, you gotta figure out what you wanna do with your life and so, you know, in an effort to figure out if I could really do the job, I uh decided to write 
a new first draft every two months that year. And I worked hmm. very much by the calendar, um, you know, outlining in January, writing in February, outlining in March, writing in April. And by the end of the year, I had six finished first drafts that were all pretty horrible. Nothing ever came <laughs> of any of them. I mean, that was part of the deal that you make with yourself at the beginning, you know, is you, you give yourself permission to suck. And that's the mm-hmm. only way that you ever become, you know, truly, truly productive. And if you don't have an idea when you're about to start outlining that you think is really great, it doesn't matter. You know, you start thinking in a way closer, I think, to, way, to, to the way studios think, where you have a spot to fill. It's not an option to make no movies. It's not an option to write nothing. So you pick the best idea that you have, and you hope for the best. And if it doesn't work out, there's always next month. But that was a really formative year in terms of my process as a writer and actually carrying that confidence that that this is a job that I love and it's a job that I can do. And then in 2009, the following year, I met um, Adam Marshall, uh, who's a manager. He had read, he's probably the only person who's read anything from that year. I gave him a few scripts to read and all with the caveat that I, I didn't really want to send any of them out, but he agreed to work with me. And that year I wrote a spec called Singularity, which was a science fiction story. And that was the first spec that really went wide to the entire town. And it was also mm. the spec that got me um, representation at WME. It was sent to Mikey Stola. Mm-hmm. And uh, later, I think the next year, Dan Cohen, Cohen came onto the team. And uh, they're still my team today, Adam and Mike and Dan. And that was really the start. I mean, Singularity didn't sell. But that was sort of what, you know, got my foot through the door. You do the bottled water tour where you spend two or three months on general meetings going to various, uh, you know, production companies, studios, and just getting people to, you know, getting a chance to meet people and yeah. in a position where the next one could sell. Your script for Agent 13, which is um, a big, highly anticipated movie that's going to be coming out shortly, I would imagine, that resulted in a big bidding war correct, over like Warner Brothers and Universal and maybe some other ones in there? Yeah, well, that was, that was a pitch, actually. There wasn't a script when we went out with it. It was a, a half-hour pitch, and mm-hmm. um, by that point, we had... Uh, I was working with the producers, Sean Daniel and Jason Brown. By that point, we had Rupert Wyatt attached to direct and Charlie Theron and Beth Kono attached to uh, produce, with Charlie's attached to star. Uh, so it was, a, it was a great package, and we knew that it was a great creative package when we were going out. But you never really know how things are going to be received when you're actually, you know, in the room with these studio heads telling them a story. Uh, mm-hmm. So it was a great week when uh, we did it all in one week, basically. We went around to the different studios in kind of a round-robin pitch session. How did that process feel to have essentially companies fighting over your concept? Yeah, I don't really know. Uh, it's one of those weeks where you kind of just want to know where it's all going to land. You know, I, mm-hmm. and I'm not really privy to the, the, the day-to-day negotiations. I get the update call at the end of the day. You know, this is where we are. These are the studios of the bids. This is where the bids are. And then we just have to make a decision. By that point, by the time we'd gotten done with the pitches, I just wanted to know that we had a home and that we could get to work on the script. Um, but it felt great. And how is the script coming along? Great, actually. We're, we're in the middle of it now. Um, 
we're still in the process of working with the studio. And, you know, it's a, it was a broad pitch, and so we had to kind of layer in a few, we had a few more layers of detail to figure out before I would officially get started. <laughs> but uh, we're at that point now where I'm uh, getting started writing. It's really, uh, no, it's a great project. I'm thrilled to be working on it. There's really a lot to it. I feel like I can give the uh, the half hour pitch that would do it justice, but anything short of that, I'd feel like I'd miss, I'd be missing things. Now, um, as a relative newcomer to the Hollywood scene, do you worry about like big production companies like altering or tarnishing your scripts or even your ideas, your pitches? No, I think that as soon as you sell it, you know, you sell it the way you sell anything else. You can worry about its fate, but ultimately you lose control. And if there was something that I didn't want to be changed or tarnished in any way, I wouldn't sell it. And that's kind of a position that we're in on a couple projects right now where, you know, in some cases there are offers on the table, but you think the best thing to do is to kind of hold on to them for a bit and see what you can, yeah, see what you can kind of achieve on your own steam. But as soon as you sell it, you know, it's like you sell a car and you don't like the color the new owner painted it. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Are there any upcoming films coming out maybe this summer that you're particularly looking forward to? Well, let me think. What's coming out? I mean, Dark Knight, of course. That's uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's the big one. Yeah, I mean, that's just an example of a filmmaker who had such a strong concept from, from the very beginning, what he wanted to do with that material. And, you know, to see it actually... To see him be able to follow through all the way, all the way to the end of his vision is, is just great. Have you seen Prometheus? Uh, I did see Prometheus. Yeah. If you can, what were your thoughts on that in general? I need to see it again. It's definitely one of those movies. Excuse me. Definitely, definitely one of those movies that I think I need to, you know, I need to give it another look. What I'm really curious to do is read the John Spade draft. I don't know if, uh, if you know John. Um, but he wrote mm-hmm. the, the, the first script before before Damon Lindelof came on, and it was more of a straightforward alien prequel. And it, it just seemed to me like one of those movies where there are a lot of things left over from an earlier draft or an earlier concept that had lost a lot of its grounding. If that makes sense, where yeah, absolutely, um, yeah, and they become these dangling strands, which you know, which can be very intriguing, you know, especially in, in TV where you kind of look forward to the next episode and some of these strands are going to be tied together. Um, I like the fact that it's a movie where the audience is, is left to, to tie a lot of it together themselves. Um, as an immediate ride, as an immediate visceral experience, you know, moment to moment in the theater, I, I, I don't think it works as well as, as uh, the filmmakers would have hoped. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think, um, unfortunately, Damon Lindelof is getting a lot of flack for that movie right now. He is? Not Ridley? That's interesting. Uh, I think Ridley's getting it a little bit, but I think a lot of the critics right now are kind of saying that Lindelof is at fault. You know, it's, uh, I'll tell you something, that it, it's impossible to watch a movie and, and judge who, who is at fault. I mean, I think what a lot of people are seeing in Prometheus that they don't like are things that they connect to Lost. And so they're saying, ah, it's the Lost guy, it's his fault. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly you know, correct. Like, for all you know, yeah, that could be the case, or it could be the case that he was simply following the instructions of, of Ridley Scott, or that it was left over from a previous draft, or that it was a studio note. All you know is essentially that you know, Ridley Scott ultimately had to decide, you know, what would or wouldn't move forward. And so you can give him credit for everything that works. And, um, 
blame him for everything that doesn't work, whether or not it was an idea that came from him. Even if Damon Lindelof turned into script that shouldn't have been filmed, Ridley was the one who said, this is the one we're going to go with. And so I tend to, I tend to put the blame at the, uh, the feet of the director. Okay. Now, Agent 13, that's going to be a science fiction film. Are you more per- partial to writing science fiction, since you said that that was your, uh, what you kind of got off, started getting work with, was with science fiction. Now, I noticed that you also have uh, a Western in the works. Is that correct? Yeah, there's a Western called Wild Guns at Warner Brothers, and everything that I've worked on these past few years has sort of fallen into that space, and all I can really say is, you know, you wait for that idea, that concept that gets you really excited to, you know, get up and start writing in the morning, and a lot of them are just sort of falling into that space, into that sci-fi uh, fantasy space. Agent 13 is a really, um, it's a contemporary story. You know, we're not in, we're not in the future. We're not in space. It's a contemporary story. And it's a very, uh, I think it's grounded in, in a physical reality and an emotional reality that audiences will immediately be able to relate to. And then we start pulling back the curtain, which is what a lot of great general audience science fiction movies do from the matrix to inception where things seem normal for for maybe half a second but just a little bit off you know two degrees off from normal and then you start kind of pulling back the layers and revealing that the world is a bigger more interesting and complex place than you than you originally thought well i'd definitely like to commend um you on getting rupert wyatt to be involved i think that he would he sounds like he would be a perfect director to bring that concept to life yeah, I mean, we agree. I mean, it was one of those things where when when, when I first pitched to Beth and, and Charlize, um, that's Beth Kono and Charlize Theron, uh, and, and they were on board, we came back for another meeting with them and all the producers, and we had our wish lists out, you know? Like, we have a great team together. We'll be able to put this in front of any director we want, and we have these pie-in-the-sky lists of great directors that we thought, most of which we thought never in a million years would we get to work with them, and Rupert was at the top of everybody's list. Um, mm-hmm. I think Charlize had met with him uh, personally, just um, coincidentally recently, and they had really hit it off. And I think that she had mentioned the project to him. But we were all affected by the work that he did on, on Rise of the Apes, which is a movie that I think a lot of directors would have approached as maybe a paycheck or, you know, oh, here's a good way for me to really launch myself in a big, meaningful way, doing a big blockbuster. And Rupert approaches that story and says, you know, here's an opportunity to do something really interesting. And so he's someone who sees dramatic opportunity um, in genre, you know, which a lot of directors mm-hmm. would maybe turn away from. And that's exactly what we wanted, what we needed. And so when we met with him and pitched him the story, and he was he immediately got it. He immediately had great ideas that made the pitch better and made the story better. And even now, a few months deeper into the process, I'm not just you know blowing smoke. I don't think I've ever heard a bad idea from him. So it's, he's really just been a gift from heaven. Yeah, I, I think that he's he's going to be a, a fantastic director. I think he's going to have a fantastic career ahead of him. Yeah. And what, uh, are there any other directors that you specifically would like to work with? I've been actually very lucky to kind of get to work with a few of a few on my wish list over the past couple of years. But but yes, you know, I'm still. It's always interesting when you meet your childhood heroes and you get to work with them and you're actually put into a, a creative collaboration with them. I had a chance to work briefly last summer with Guillermo del Toro on Pacific Rim, which was an incredible thrill. Oh, yeah. I think it would be great to work with him. He's such a creative individual. He's very generous, very kind. I think you must have known that I was pretty nervous getting off that plane. Um, he was immediately uh, welcoming a very, you know, 
it was it was it was kind of a you know a blitz draft. You know, we had to write a draft very 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 quickly. I spent you know a week or two at a hotel room, as I remember it. But um, yeah, but it was a great experience. That's great. He seems like he would just be kind of like a big teddy bear, just a really nice guy. Yeah, but hilarious. You know. Hilarious. How uh, do you miss Tallahassee at all? I do. You know, I haven't been back since uh, since I graduated, um, so I miss it all the more. Even calling you, the eight five zero area code, gave me a little little twinge. <laughs> uh, I, I am planning on coming back, though. I think hopefully sometime this year. I have some friends who either stayed there or who have moved back since graduation that I'd like to visit. Yeah, that'd be great. You should come back for the Tallahassee Film Festival. When's that? Uh, you know, I don't know when this year's is. I want to say November, but I could be completely wrong on that. They seem to kind of change it around every year, but it, it's is growing. Is that affiliated with the film school at all, or is that a separate it, it, thing? It is now. I believe that now, this year, starting with this year, I think the film school has some heavy involvement with it. Okay. So it's 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 growing. Uh, I'm I'm hopeful we're going to... I'm going to try to get us involved with it this year and do some work. So I'm pretty excited for it. Um, finally, I just want to ask you, what's the best tip, maybe the one tip that you can give someone trying to uh, get into the screenwriting game? Like, what's the the big thing? Oh, wow. One thing. Give me, give me 10 seconds here to think about that. <laughs> Take hmm. your time trying to think of what I would have liked to have known four or five years ago. If you can, don't think of yourself as a screenwriter. I just don't know if that's a good avenue towards happiness. If you can, think of yourself as a filmmaker or a storyteller who writes. I would never tell someone who wants to write, you know, not to write. But but don't only write, you know. If you can team up with other people, team up with animators, directors, actors, producers, you know, see how far you can push things forward on your own. I think that's important. Um, Because ultimately what you're doing as, what's the term, like an aspiring writer? What do you call them? Mm -hmm. A young writer? You're trying to create demand around what it is that you're selling. And it's a mistake to believe that there's any such thing as a spec market. As much as people talk about a spec market and try to kind of interpret the trends and the movements of the market. It doesn't really exist in a traditional sense. Put it this way, when we sold Agent 13 to Universal, it's not like if we hadn't gone out with that project, something else would have sold in its place, which is what would happen if you had pre-existing demand. We sold Agent 13 not because there was a market for pitches or specs, but because there was a market for Agent 13. And it was a market that we created that only existed in that one moment in time. So when you think about it as, I have to create demand around what I'm selling, I think you realize that just writing and sending your work out into the world and hoping it gets a big response is maybe not the best way to go. Okay. Well, T.S., thank you so much for giving us um, some of your time, and good luck with all your projects. I'm really excited to see Agent 13. I can't wait. Is there any... Uh, preemptive like dates set for that? No, no, we have to wait for Rupert to finish on uh, Apes 2. Right, right. And uh, Charlie's is off doing Fury Road, so we're pretty much set to go once they're once they're done. And in the meantime, we'll get a get a great script ready. 
Awesome. That sounds great. Well, thank you very much for giving us your time. Thank you, Adam. A big thank you again to T.S. Nolan for taking time out of his busy schedule to give us a, a quick chat. So uh, we'd love to have him back on the show. So if you are listening, T.S., come back on the show after you become a huge, famous screenwriter. We'd love to hear from you. Let's talk about some of what we've been watching. Let's start off with you, Kevin. What have you been watching this week? Oh, I watched... Well, the first movie I watched was Climates. This is another addition to going through Nuri Belger Jalen's movies. Uh, I talked about him before with... Uh, what was the other movie? What was that called? That's how much it stuck with me. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. So. Oh, he di- he directed Distant. I talked about Distant. Oh, yeah. That was a while ago. Yeah. He's he's the guy that directed Once Upon a Time, Once Upon a Time in Anatolia. So I was going through his earlier movies because I'm pretty excited for Once Upon a Time. This one was it was definitely better than Distant. More happened, but not much more. <laughs> Still a slow burn, huh? Yes, very slow, very slow. But uh, definitely a lot more substance to it than the first one. Well, not the first one, but Distant. This one's uh, about who the director is actually the star of the movie. He plays a a university instructor or professor or whatever. And uh, his wife works in the TV business. And it's sort of about their marriage falling apart while they're on holiday. And then just what happens afterwards. And now he just sort of uh, drifts through life, not knowing what the hell to do. So, definitely a slow burn. Uh, better than distant. Uh, once again, amazing cinematography. But that's about it. The acting was okay. I mean, for this was the first film he acted in, which is his own. And he didn't do too bad of a job. But it does seem like he could have gotten someone else that brought a little more charisma to the screen or something. It was, it was all right. Not selling it. You're no. not selling it. No, 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 yeah, I'm not, I'm not selling it. Okay. Well, I'll probably skip that then. Yeah. You got anything else? I, I also watched Extraterrestrial. Oh, what'd you think? Um, who was it? Todd? Todd, yeah. T- Todd reviewed this, right? And he gave it a three. Mm-hmm. I think that was a bit harsh. I wouldn't give it a three, but I did read in the comments that he said that he would go up to like a five. Yeah. So I would, uh, I'd be okay with that if he went up to a five. I agree. I'd be hard with it. Cause I, I thought it was like a six, maybe. I can't like remember when, when we talked about it. Was it, I think it was last week when we talked about it after I saw it and I, I don't remember if I gave it a score, but I would probably sit somewhere around five and a half or six. Yeah. That's what I was thinking, but definitely not a three. I think it's definitely better than a three. Yeah. Well, he did. Yeah, he did go in and change. Well, he he uh, reviewed Bindle Stiffs for us too, and he gave that a one. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I, I didn't even see that he did that one. Yeah. Yeah. He gave that a one. I would definitely give that a higher than a one. <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna say I loved it. Yeah. Because I I did rewatch it, and. Um, Second time around, it wasn't as good. No, second time around, I didn't. I didn't enjoy it as much, but I still thought it was funny. I mean, it still made me laugh. But 
<laughs> yeah, extraterrestrial. You know, I stand by our reviewers, and I stand by the scores that they give movies, and I'm not going to change them. No, but, but uh, you know, I would, I mean, there is a part of me that sort of thinks of it as a three. Not like, a, you know, it's not the score that I would give it, but I had such high hopes because Time Crimes was so damn good. Yeah. And I was, you know, let down. I think the biggest letdown was the end, the end of the movie. Because for me, when I was watching it, I was like, oh man, there's going to be some amazing twist. Something insanely awesome is going to happen at the end. Because I was thinking back to time crimes, but when the end did happen, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I sort of, I actually sort of like the ending. I mean, the way that they always use the little lies... I thought it was fine, the, but it wasn't. But I do, I do love that idea of. Well, I can't, I can't spoil the movie, I guess. But there's a lot of misdirection yeah. in that movie. But the one thing I did realize that what I mean, this is another alien invasion movie, which seems like a huge thing. That and apocalypse movies, or post-apocalyptic movies, but with alien movies. I just love, like, what does it say about us as a society that we just always assume that they are going to come here and completely destroy us? Right. <laughs> like, we never think of them just coming and, like, hanging out. Or, like, the they only, just stop by for a holiday or something. There's a couple movies out there that come to mind. Alien Nation, remember that one? They made the TV show out of it. I don't remember they, that one. You remember that? It, well, they had like the funny. They looked pretty much like humans, but they just had the weird heads. They always have weird heads, don't they? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was called Alien Nation. I guess there's cone heads too. Cone heads yeah. just want yeah. just wanted to hang out. Yeah, or Change. like uh, or like Paul. Yeah, that's or true. Et. All right, there we go. There's a few, but oh, okay, I understand yeah, what I you're saying. I see what you're. Alienation. It was a big. Uh, they made a TV show out of it. It was pretty popular for a while. Yeah. But anyway, I, I get what you're saying. Like, yes, normally, which is <laughs> always assumed. It's more entertaining. It's more entertaining that way. Yeah, but it is sort of funny that we just like. Do we really think that we're that terrible and that they're just going to come here and destroy us right away? I don't know. I mean, Maybe. I I am being a little too philosophical for extraterrestrial. <laughs> But I think I was correct in the sense that it did seem to me like he was the extraterrestrial, not in the alien, well, in the alien sense to the relationship, but what I said earlier. And I think that was the metaphor for that and how the three characters, how ridiculous they are to try and win over the one female, even when there's an alien invasion. Um, even was, when, even in the face of an alien invasion, they're still spending all their time trying to win over this girl. Yeah. When I first started watching it, the neighbor, like the creepy neighbor guy, <laughs> I was like, I know I've seen that guy somewhere before. And then I realized, actually, my girlfriend pointed out that there was this movie that came out maybe a year or two ago called The Last Circus. And he was the main character in The Last Circus. How was he? And if you haven't seen that movie... Maybe you should check it out because that that movie is bizarre, very bizarre. Yeah, I want to watch that very badly because it's on Netflix in sync. You, yeah, you should check you that, that out. It's really out there, very weird, very dark. Right up Ryan's alley. Right up, yeah, 
We're going to add that to the list. For last service. Um, now, I know you saw Ted. We'll talk about that later. Was there anything else you had on your list? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, the first movie I saw this week, as I mentioned before, every Monday HBO is putting out a new documentary. This week's documentary was Me at the Zoo. This is the one about Chris Crocker, the Leave Britney Alone kid. And <laughs> Yeah, they made a documentary about him. And I'll Why? tell you one thing. Why did they? Well, this is the thing. You would think like, oh, I'm not interested in that. I'm sure it's ridiculous. But honestly, it was a good documentary. I mean, it was one part about his life. And the other part was just sort of about this YouTube culture that we're living in where you can make a video, put it online and have a million people see it. And you can actually make money doing that. You know, and it it just kind of talked about this uh, whole new generation of people that are growing up with YouTube and and stuff. And it was interesting. He is a, I mean, obviously he's a bit of a character and he can be somewhat annoying, but somewhat somewhat annoying. (laughs) Uh, I think we, I think what you meant to say was immensely. Yeah, but I mean, it was more of a candid look at him. It wasn't okay. like... Because, you know, in his videos, he's basically acting. I mean, I was gonna he's say, always is, on in is his it like, videos. Is it like part performance piece, his videos? Yeah. Okay. That's pretty much what his videos are, is just him. And it kind of evolved into him, like, this is basically his job now. So a lot of his videos just turned into more, like, performance pieces. But... Either way, I didn't think I was going to be interested in it at all, but I, I did actually enjoy it quite a bit. So mm. I'd recommend checking it out. It's not a must-see, but it's interesting. I also saw Bullhead. Oh, I finally yeah. got to saw Bullhead. You're an ass. Well, it's out on DVD, so you can rent it. I know. Oh, no, I did see another movie, by the way. Sorry. I'll come back around to it. I just remembered that okay. I, I saw a movie. I completely forgot. We'll come back. Bullhead is the Academy Award-nominated foreign language film for this past year. It's a Belgian movie. Not at all what I expected. The reason I didn't see it was that I just wasn't interested. it, It didn't sound interesting to me. But after watching it, I was like, yes. I understand why it was nominated. And... I understand it was going up against a separation this year, which, you know, you're not going to beat that, but it was still really good. It was very depressing, uh, very grim movie, but well acted, well shot, just all around. Wow, that's his, that's his first feature, too. Mm-hmm. Michelle yeah. Rashkum. 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 Yeah, highly recommend that one. Draft House Pictures put it out. Pick that one up and check it out. It's, it's yes. really good. I'm definitely excited for this movie. Yeah, I think you'll like it. I think you'll definitely like it. There's, um, I will say that there's one scene in particular that they show that is horrifically graphic, and it's pretty pretty nasty to watch. Mm. It's not really a spoiler. I guess I could say what it is, but I'll hold off. I also saw American Reunion. I know you were excited to see that. (laughs) No. 
<laughs> no. Why did you do that to yourself? Um, it was one of those nights where I just I didn't really have anything else to watch, so I just decided to give it a shot. And mm. it's interesting how the American Pie movies sort of define our generation. And it's a shame, really, but <laughs> those movies grew up with us, you know? Like, when the first one came out, we were just about graduating high school. And But I have to say, I don't, I don't think that those movies are at all indicative of what we went through when we were in high school. No. <laughs> close. Not even, not even close. But um, it wasn't as horrible as I thought it would be, but it wasn't good. There were... <laughs> There were a few laughs, but it was interesting to see they I mean they brought back the entire cast from the first one, like everybody well, cuz most even, of them need money. Even the minor characters they brought back, which was I mean kind of cool to see these people like completely grown and stuff, but I still couldn't recommend it. It still wasn't very good. I also saw a found footage horror movie called Grave Encounters. Uh, I checked this out because Tribeca announced this week that they're um, putting out the sequel in October. I guess it's going to be competing with Paranormal Activity 4. This had a kind of a cool twist to it, but I'm realizing that most of these found footage horror movies have at least one cool twist to them. (laughs) And they're starting to get old like in my head they're kind of all starting to blend together into just one pile of found footage yeah and i can't i couldn't recommend it that that's the problem that i'm having with this genre is it is getting played out rather quickly well it is i agree but most of the big ones that come out like the paranormal activity movies and Chronicle, like the the bigger budget or just better made ones that come out that actually hit theaters, they seem to all be pretty good. I mean, they all seem to be successful. I loved all the paranormal activity movies. I I like the paranormal activity movies, but they're sort of like a oh, what is that word called? One trick pony. Well, that it's that. But it's also a guilty guilty pleasure. Because, yeah. I mean, they're really not that good. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a formula, and they just repeat the formula over and over again. And you know something's going to happen, and then bam, it happens. And then yeah. you wait, and you wait, something's going to happen, oh, something happens. And then you wait, and wait, and it's just like that until the end. I think with the Paranormal Activity movies, they try to keep things fresh, and... We'll see how the fourth one is. I can't imagine that they can keep up the momentum. But with, like, Chronicle, that was something completely different. You know, they took a superhero movie and made it into found footage. And now we have this end-of-watch movie coming out with um, Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, Michael Pena. And that's going to be a a cop found footage movie. So it's like, as much as I think that that could be a bad thing, I think it could also be a good thing to try to mix in other genres with found footage. No, I I mean, I should, when I said earlier that it's getting played out is that because most of the time it's, it's a horror movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, the majority of them are horror movies and they're, they are, like you said, they're starting to sort of melt into each other and you can't, 
and and more more than just you can even get more specific and say not just any horror movie it's always a ghost related horror movie true like if you're like come out with something else you know like i mean we did have cloverfield which was more of an alien thing but grave encounters like i said it had a cool twist like three quarters of the way through but still not worth seeing just go see any of the paranormal activity (laughs) movies and they're they're much better so you know that's it the only other two movies i saw were ted magic mike but we'll talk about those later i just what was was the other one that you saw well real quick before i get into that i just wanted to i just looked up grave encounters here it's directed by the vicious brothers yeah Yes, it is directed by the Vicious Brothers. The Vicious Brothers. So you know it's good. Uh, without a doubt. Oh no, I saw Jeff who lives at home. Oh, and what'd you think of that? Um, uh, number one, I liked it. I do. I have to say, I think it was their best movie so far. I agree. I think it was their best. I liked that a little bit more than Cyrus. I thought um, Cyrus was funnier, but I thought jeff who lives at home was better yeah i thought i thought uh jeff who lives at home was more it's just a uh better better structure to it better pacing um the acting everything i just thought was the only thing i didn't like was with the the cinematography with the how they would sort of zoom in real quick and then zoom back out I like see i like that I, they, they, just, they do that they do that in all their movies yeah that was just I, I like that. It gives it that low budget indie vibe to it. But there is something very weird that I want to talk about. Number one, this movie's all based on Kevin's, so <laughs> that's awesome. You know what I'm saying? But there's a weird part and me being a Kevin, the problem that I've always had is whenever people get my name wrong, they will call me Brian. Which is weird enough that everyone will call me Brian when they screw my name up. But it makes it even weirder that I was supposed to be named Brian until like two months before I was born. They changed it to Kevin. Hmm. Like my parents were dead set on I was going to be Brian Rakestraw. So there's a part in the movie where when they wreck into the tree, the couple's tree in the, um, their front yard, whatever, he wrecks his portion there. She comes out and she's talking to Jason Siegel and she's like, you remind me of my grandson or something like that. And Jason Siegel just goes, is there by any chance his name is Kevin? She was like, no, his name's Brian. It's like, that's, that's really weird. <laughs> Why is it always Brian? I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, yeah. I, did, I thought that that was fun. It's all yeah. about Kevin's, man. It's all about Kevin's. Yeah. We, connect, we connect the universe. The universe can be connected through Kevin's. There you have it. There's a reason that you have this six six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yeah. I mean, come on. That's just a, like a microcosm of... <laughs> I'm telling you. Oh, the microcosm of Kevin. That's right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make that into a book. <laughs> but yeah, I did. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a lot more serious than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I agree. That's how I thought. I was like, oh, wow. It's like a lot more serious than... But I loved Susan Sarandon in it. She was awesome. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about some Amazon deals. To get these incredible deals, just go to our site at filmpulse.net and either click on the Amazon banner, shop as you would normally, or click on the store link and check out some of our favorites 
and what we've been watching throughout the week. First up, we have Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol 2-disc Blu-ray DVD combo plus digital download. Oh my god. That's a mouthful. We got $14.99 on that bad boy, so check that out. I actually liked that um, Mission Impossible quite a bit. $14.99 for all those things? Yep. A plethora. Then we have... Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3, $9.99 each on Blu-ray. So they're obviously getting pumped for this week's The Amazing Spider-Man. So they're putting all the Blu-rays on sale. And I guess in honor of 4th of July, we have Independence Day on Blu-ray for $9.39. So pick up, get your get your Bill Pullman fix in with some Independence Day. Did you save? How much? Nine thirty-nine. Nine thirty-nine. Okay. Well, that's that's a, actually that's a very odd number. I know. They're actually re-releasing Independence Day in theaters next year, and they're converting it to three D. I, I don't know. Idea. I mean, I don't I know if that's going to be one that holds up. I'm I'm sick and tired of them doing that. <laughs> I mean, they're getting to the point like it was bad enough when they're remaking movies and stuff. Now they're just getting so lazy to just be like, well, let's just re-release movies. And people like this movie, let's re-release it. We can make it 3D, maybe. The only re-release of a movie that I actually saw in theaters that I can remember recently was maybe a year or two ago. They re-released Taxi Driver in theaters for like two nights because there was some sort of anniversary. Yeah. And I went to see that. See, I don't, mi- I don't mind when they do like the revivals and stuff. You know, because I think it's it is really cool to be able to, especially for like people our age, right? You know, to go see classic movies that we love, to be able to go to the movie theater and see them. But I mean, to go see Independence Day, really, <laughs> in really? 3D. Hello. Oh my goodness. Uh. Well. Yeah. I mean, I won't be going to see it, but and once again, Stargate still on sale, guys. Five thirty nine. <laughs> Pick up your Stargate. Come on. Just had to throw that in there. Get it together. Just had to throw some Stargate in there. Before we talk about Ted and Magic Mike, uh, do you have a Not the Bees? I, I just real quick, I guess. Just a very small one because okay. Prom- Prometheus doesn't seem to go away. But well, let me let me play this little soundbite here, and we'll go over some Not the Bees. Okay. Oh no, Not the Bees! Not the Bees! And this is where we talk about some of the worst <laughs> film news of the week. I can't wait until a couple of years where they like re-release that to the theaters. In 3D. <laughs> <laughs> so you can see the bees going into his eyes in 3D. 3D. And seeing punched women. Yeah. Like, Alright, so you have some Prometheus news? Well, I mean, it's loosely... It's, it started with a question about Prometheus. Someone asked Tyler Perry what he thought of Prometheus. Oh. <laughs> and he said that he was disappointed. And then he revealed that he's very excited about a new sci-fi movie that he's writing. Yes. Which I'm I hoping that it gets this. just gets to the point where he just sort of writes it and then just forgets about it. And never goes through with it. But the way he, got- tr- the way he turns out movies, I'm sure he will see it to fruition. Yeah, probably. He'll probably it'll be filming next week and it'll be out in theaters the following week. It's 
probably already That's done. I guess <laughs> he probably knocked. He probably banged it out this weekend. Well, we did have uh, another Medea movie hit theaters this past Friday, and I actually just to, as a quick side note, did you go when, see it? No, oh. but when I went to go see Magic Mike, we walked. We we pulled into the parking lot, and, and the parking lot was like overflowing. And I was like, what the hell is going on here? And as soon as we walked in, I was like, oh, it's the perfect storm. You have two kids' movies that are playing currently and a Tyler Perry movie all on a Saturday afternoon. So it was overflowing with people. Now, did we did we force anyone to write or watch and review the Medea movie? No. Oh, we really should have done that. And... If, from now on, too, I think that would be nice for Ryan watches a movie. Is that any time a Medea movie comes out, I will pay to have him go see it and review it for Ryan watches a movie. We'll keep that in mind. Just just as a running joke that he always has to watch Medea movies. <laughs> uh, we won't have time for him to watch any other movies. <laughs> come out with one every other month, for Christ's sake. Oh, that's true. Um, I, I have a, also have a Not the Bees, but this is more of a rant. Um, as most of you probably know, if you, unless you're like living in a cabin somewhere and don't have access to the internet or TV, Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes are getting a divorce, I guess. And that in and of itself is not my Not the Bees, because I could care less. But my Not the Bees is the fact that it is getting so much coverage and, like, they're doing, like, exposés on each of them. And it's like, why? Why? Yeah. You yeah. shouldn't care, people. It doesn't matter. People get divorced all the time. Uh, so true. <laughs> Fucking Entertainment Tonight and Access Hollywood and all those other stupid, horrible shows that are supposed to be about movies that just end up being celebrity gossip for an hour and a half like well my favorite is just like you know just logging on to like msn or something and that's like one of the third it's like the third news story that you see like really there's nothing else happening in the world besides tom cruise and katie holmes getting a divorce yeah, Are you serious? Like these these like huge storms and like tornadoes and stuff up, yeah, up but... around where you're at, and people are dying. And then like you go to MSN and it's like Katie Holmes and Tom Cruise, the, the brutal divorce. Who gets custody of Surrey? It's like fuck off. Come on. And yeah, here. and they're breaking down like how much Katie Holmes is going to get. It's like why do you care? Like it, it's bad enough that. You're so infatuated with the actual divorce itself, but now you like you want to know the actual breakdown of assets between the two. Like, yeah. I, 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 why? Why do you care? Mary Hart pulls out like the pie graph and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just waiting for the for like uh, Entertainment Tonight to come out with like the what? What is the thing that CNN has? You know, where they like the, that touch board thing, you know, where they touch it and it expands. It seemed like uh, breaking, down, breaking down assets. Oh, uh, so. Properties. Yeah. Please just let it go. Who cares? Yeah, come uh, on. 
celebrity couples break up all the time. It should be news when there's an actual couple that like stays together. Right. Because they divorce like like all the time. They never yeah. stay together. Yeah. Enough of that. Let's talk about Ted. Actually, no. Let's talk about Magic Mike since you didn't see that. I did not see it, Magic Mike. So I'll just give my brief thoughts. And I have the full review up on the site right now. So you can head on over to filmpulse.net and read my full review. I liked it. I liked it quite a bit. I had a feeling I was going to like it because Steven Soderbergh is one of my current favorite directors. And I wasn't let down with this. I mean, if anyone else directed that movie, it wouldn't have been good, I think. Soderbergh has such a specific style visually and as far as how he edits movies and with like title cards and just everything. It seems like everything he does with the movie is thought out. Mm -hmm. Almost like Wes Anderson where it's like every shot is completely thought out. And this movie was awesome. I mean, it was really entertaining. Uh, Channing Tatum did a good job. Now, my girlfriend actually disagrees and thinks that he didn't do a very good job. But, I'm see, I'm not one that really notices acting. So, to me, I think he did fine. And I'm actually starting to like him now. So, that's a big step. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey was awesome, and it's worth going to see just because he says, all right, all right, all right, like 25 times in the movie. <laughs> so that right there is is worth the price of admission. And it's funny. I mean, it's just a, a good movie. There are some plot issues with it, but everything else is solid. I, would, hmm. I, would, you, I think you would like it. But it's a solid movie. I mean... Sure, there's some some male butts happening, but nothing really too graphic that made me feel awkward uh, or anything like that. You said there is male butts happening. Yeah. <laughs> there's some male butts going on. Whatever. Oh, my God. There's no, like, you know, there's not full frontal male nudity or anything. And it, but it was funny because I was talking to Ryan about it, and he was like, oh, I kind of want to see that. And he was just asking me about it, and I said, yeah, there's like not really any full frontal, but um, there you do get to see Olivia Munn take her top off and show her breasts. And he's like, I'm going. <laughs> I'm going to see it. He loves Olivia Munn. Oh, uh, yeah? Yeah. Let's talk uh, about Ted. Ryan, Ryan, Ryan. What did you think of Ted? Uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty damn funny. Um, it's a couple of things I didn't like about it. But I did read... Who was it? Um, I think Ebert wrote that uh, it was the best comedic screenplay of the year so far. And I don't know if I'll go as far as saying that it was funnier than 21 Jump Street. I don't think it was. I thought 21 Jump Street was funnier. Yeah. More more laughs per minute. <clears throat> yeah. 21 Jump Street. Now, with Ted, there are several things that happen that are hysterical. Yes, but there's okay. also a lot of just little lines that, you know, just make me do like a little chuckle. 
But I'll, t- I'll tell you the line that made me laugh hysterically, and it's a little line. It's not giving anything away, but it's the line when he was in the burlap sack, and he goes, "I can hear the fat kid running." <laughs> <laughs> and I bet it looks hilarious. That that line made me laugh so hard. Oh, that was a good line. Um, it it was a good movie. I mean, I think most people that go to see Ted will like Ted. Ryan saw it and he loved it. Yes. He's a huge Family Guy fan. Yeah. If you're a fan of Family Guy, you will love Ted, period. Yeah. It's because it's basically the live action version of Family Guy. Sort of. A little bit better though. Not as lazy. Not as lazy as Family Guy? Yeah. Family Guy has gotten extremely lazy, and it's, yeah, you, it's to the point of ridiculousness. I think where we need I, to be more specific, like newer Family Guy. Yeah, newer Family Guy. I think Seth MacFarlane is to the point where he's sort of surprised that it's still on the air. So he's just like, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to do whatever. You know, when he does like the musical numbers for like 10 minutes... And you're just like, Jesus Christ, you couldn't finish the episode, could you? So you're just like, throwing a musical number. Well, Which I was afraid was going to happen in this movie. And it did, but it was very short. So I was okay with it. There were I did have some issues with it. I thought the plot overall was pretty generic. Yeah. And I saw everything coming a mile away. Yes. I knew everything that was going to happen... Almost from the start. Like, as soon as Giovanni Ravisi's character came in, I was like, oh, this is going to happen. Which I have to say, he played the creepiest guy. <laughs> he was amazing in this movie. Yeah, he, he, he was, was awesome. He that, was ridiculous. And I love... scene, the dance scene, <laughs> was amazing. Uh, and I couldn't... I just... I loved his little tick of language. Like mm-hmm. how he would freak out if you swore, which you said was your favorite little line. My favorite little line was when they first met and Mark Wahlberg is talking to uh, oh yeah, Rabisi's, yeah Rabisi's son. And the, the kid goes, you stand up straight when you're talking to me. And it, but it freaks him and Ted out. They're like, yeah, why, the, like why, the, why the fuck would he say that? Why would he say that to me? That's such a weird thing to say. Where would he learn that? Yeah, Mark Wahlberg was very good in this. Yes, which and needs to be said. He is very good at comedy. I yeah. love him in comedic roles. Yes, yeah. And uh, I liked, just overall, the look of Ted himself. Like... I wasn't thinking for a minute that there's no bear there. You know what I mean? Like, basically, the whole the, he's CG. So, basically, they made that whole movie without anything being there. Yeah. And it, it looked really good. Like, it was really believable that he was there. Yes. And I, I enjoyed that. And if you're into the Family Guy style of, like copious amounts of pop culture references yes a million yes in this movie i was gonna say if you're a flash gordon fan oh my god you are gonna just lose your shit okay i'm gonna punch through this wall you are gonna um, lose your shit and also if you're a tom scarrett fan tom scarrett yeah. <laughs> you're gonna lose it oh man i i enjoyed it i did have a few issues with it but 
I wouldn't say it's a disappointment. I went into it not having very high expectations, and I it made me laugh a lot. And I do have you know, to say the other th- yeah the other thing that I was worried about is because you know Seth MacFarlane's whole thing is his cutaways. And I was like, I really hope he doesn't bring those into this movie. I hope he doesn't revert to, you know, what's comfortable for him. He only did a couple. Yeah, he did do it. Yeah, but and the one was awful when there was the the, the Flash the, Gordon one. Which one? What do you want? Which one are you talking about there? I was talking about the one where it shows them riding on the. Uh, Riding uh, the yeah. Flash Gordon yeah. in the spaceship. Yeah I, yeah, I didn't like that one too much, but I didn't like um, where there were the conflicting stories of how him and oh, Mila Kunis yeah. first and meeting. The, yeah. yeah, and they had the sound effects and stuff. Yeah, the one that I did love a lot was when they were trying to get the feces out of the, the apartment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which was fantastic. I love how he was hiding behind the pillar. <laughs> yes. Oh, man, that was great. Uh, it's, it's a recommendation for me. Definitely. I I think if you like family guy, I mean, there's a lot of references to family guy. I mean, they, they even have the orchestra that does the family guy music in the movie. Uh, I believe that orchestra also does all the music for Ted itself, like the, uh, the score for that. And I I mean, they even come out and say that, you know, that Ted's voice is eerily similar. Yeah, yeah, they even make <laughs> reference to that. And I love the little scene when that they're when they're in the aquarium and they were doing the fish voices. <laughs> I thought that that was hilarious. Yes. There's just there's a lot to like about that movie and I think it'll be it's an it's one of those movies that's really easy to quote. A lot of quotes you can get yes. out of it. Which I love, so yeah, I recommend it. Definitely. Yeah, I would definitely check it out. And I, like I said before, Giovanni Ribisi, <laughs> it was just ridiculous in this movie. And um, so creepy and weird. Yeah, he's really good at playing a kind of a scuzzy yeah. weirdo. And Joel McHale was in it too. He was. He wasn't. I mean, he was kind of just Joel McHale. He yeah, was good, not great. But the, I think the funniest line involving him was when Mark Wahlberg said, I hope you get Luke Carrick's disease. <laughs> that was mm. the funniest. But yeah, Joe McHale, I have to say, is really good at playing that smug asshole. Yeah. Just overconfident. He's got that nailed down. Well, yeah. He, I mean, with Community, he kind of perfected it with Community. Yeah. For sure. I have a feeling it's going to be getting typecasted. Yeah. Probably. I see him like in line to replace Ryan Seacrest and doing different things like hosting shows and stuff. Yeah, hopefully he turns down a lot of those. Hopefully. Uh, what would you give it out of 10? Mm, probably a 7. Give it a 7. I want to go probably a heavy 6.5. It's fine. Maybe, maybe a light 7. Let's go ahead and talk about some predictions. Oh, let's go over what we predicted last week. Uh, first, we have Beast of the Southern Wild. I said ninety three. You said ninety five. Actual eighty seven for Beast oh, of the Southern Wild. Who, who out there did not like this movie? Because I hate them. I don't know, but I can't wait to see it. Yeah, can't wait. 
Uh, Ted, I said 60. You said 57. Actual 69. Mm. And then we have Magic Mike. You said 66. I said 70. Actual 80. 80 wow. Percent, 80% really? on Rotten Tomatoes for Magic Mike. So critics oh. are digging that one. Wow. Uh, this week we did have... I, I, lost, I was going to say, did I lose all of those? You lost all of them, yes, sir. Damn, I am in a slump. Yeah, it's a two-week slump for you. This week we have The Amazing Spider-Man. That opens on the 3rd of July. Uh, I think this is going to be pretty good. I'll say like 73. Ooh, I'm going to say 77. Then we have Oliver Stone's Savages, which... Have you noticed that the poster for Savages is the exact same as Babel? Yes. It is the exact same, but it's also the same studio, so... I mean, the laziness. Yeah, but... I don't know. Uh, Okay. Well, what do you... I mean, at first I was, like, really pissed off until I found out that it was the same studio. And then it just, like you said, I was like, well, that's sort of lazy. But at first, I thought it was like a legitimate ripoff where they yeah, just stole still, something. I mean, like a lot, of, most of this, most studios don't do their posters in house. They will outsource them to poster companies and stuff. I, no, but I'm sure they still own. Oh yeah, and they were just like, oh, we'll use it for this movie. It's just dumb. It's yeah, just dumb. What do you think for Savages? Hmm. Well, it's Oliver Stone. So it looks like it's going to be good, but it's going to be a huge disappointment. So I'm going to say like a 61. I'm going to say 50. Ooh, you're going even lower. I'm thinking some people just, I don't know. For some reason, I have a feeling that people are going to like it. I mean, are you are you excited to see it? No. Okay, I'm not either. But I, I agreed that I will see it because she went with me to see Ted. So it was I mean, a trade-off. I'm going to go see it. I'm not excited to go see it, and I don't think it looks good. Like, the second trailer they came out with looked, made it look better. But Taylor Kitsch, mm, that's, a, that's a red flag. And Blake Lively, another red flag. Oliver Stone, let's be honest. When was the last time you made a good movie? Oh, I forget. I don't even know. <laughs> Born on the 4th of July. <laughs> uh. Uh, no, I'm sure he's made... I mean, I, I can't remember last time. Natural Born Killers, maybe, if you want to consider that a good one. But critics hated that one, too. So, no, The only thing I'm excited about with this movie, because, I mean, I don't have high hopes. But when I go, I just I want Benicio Del Toro to be awesome. That's all I, I, bet I ask for. I bet he's not even going to be in it that much. Nah, probably not. I, I bet he's going to barely be in it, and then he'll get killed. I don't know. So that they spend a lot of time with him in the in the book. That it's based on, which yeah, I never, maybe. I never read, but who knows well, if they'll what, actually go that way. Well, from the from the trailer, it looks like he's going to be the one kind of keeping an eye on Blake Lively after he kidnaps or whatever. So there's probably going to be a bunch of, um, you know, dialogue between him and Blake Lively as they whatever, whatever they do, whatever kind of witty banter they have back and forth. And the only other one that we should probably talk about is the dodeca pentathlon Ooh. uh i'm gonna say 63 i'm gonna say like a 60 i think i'm gonna watch that though i think that's only like 10 bucks one 
Amazon. Oh, it's on Amazon? Yeah. Is it on there now? Yeah, I think so. Oh, I didn't know. I think so. I remember That's looking weird. it up. Well, if it is, I'm, I'll definitely be watching that. Well, I think that does it for another show. All right. I think that wraps it up. There we go. For all the latest film news and reviews, visit us at filmpulse.net, and we want to hear your feedback. Send us an email at feedback at filmpulse.net, or call our voicemail line at 850-391-6071. Also, please take a minute to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. For filmpulse.net, my name is Adam. And I'm Kevin. And we will see you Tuesday for DVD and Blu-ray releases.